Kairos? There we go. I'm, yep. I'm just praying that Chisanga's not in bed feeling himself. Well, well, I'll have you. I'm, I'm lying on the bed, but I'm not under the sheets tonight. So. <laughs> oh, God. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> and there we have our intro. Anyway. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee! I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess fucking what? I back it up! I back it up! That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, bro. Hey, John, do you think I'm just gonna sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope you guys you come ready. I'm Michael Morgan and welcome to this week's episode of the Wokecast. Joining me as usual is Chisanga Malata and Kairos Bodley. How you doing guys? I'm very well man, how are you? I'm ever so slightly uh, shattered. I mean we're, we're recording this the night after the um, splendid fight which was headed up by Overeem versus Walt Harris. Now... I don't know, man. I'm just getting too old for this shit. I had to actually tap out at <laughs> round about 4 a.m. and just pick up the rest of the fights in the morning. How about you guys? Oh, man, it was... Uh, as, as I was saying to you, uh, even, even last week I was saying to you I was tired as hell after UFC 249. I'm tired as hell after another two consecutive... Well, not two... Well, yeah, two consecutive... Uh, fight cards on the Wednesday and early this Sunday morning mm. and for us in the UK people in America they have it easy they really have it easy especially those on the on the west coast but man we struggle it's a struggle the next day to to get up and make the most of your Sunday if you're a European fight fan but I'm currently as, as I said I've just been lying on bed doing nothing just trying to get my old ass back to back to my normal sleeping pattern for tomorrow but yeah other, other than that i'm good we've had some good fights over the last seven days so i'm uh, i'm well and truly content see Kyrus, you don't know how good you've got it i i don't detect a hint of any sleepiness in your voice there that's where you have it mistaken. I'm going to come off like a baby. I'm a, you guys are going to call me soft because this, this happened last night. It was like 10 or 11 p.m., mm. not late at all. And, and Walt Harris and House Overeem were making their walks to the octagon. I'm like, dang, I'm so sleepy. Oh, <laughs> I'm like trying to stay up. Oh, my like, God. I'm like, I'm so tired. And I tweet that, and one dude was like, you're so soft. You're so spoiled. You don't know how we got it. It's 5 a.m. where I'm at, Kairos. I'm like, oh, God, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can I live? And so, like, I'm like, dang, I guess I got to stay up now because everyone's sacrificing. So I stay up, and I force myself to throw myself off my sleep pattern. So then I end up going to bed, like, at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and I wake back up at, like, 8 and then eat breakfast, and I'm like, dang, I gotta stay up. So I stay up till about what? I stayed up till like twelve or maybe two, and then I went back to sleep, and I woke up now to this call. So like, I'm tired. I'm I went through battles. I deserve this rest. <laughs> I might be soft, but guess what? I'm well rested and soft. Is it too early to be talking about us being spoiled? Because look, this is the second card <laughs> that we've had this week, and we're already talking about overfill. Now we're gonna circle back to the midweek action but you know i just want to pick up mm -hmm. a, a couple of things from from last night well from my perspective anyway i actually had um walt harris uh picking up the victory only because my heart was actually leading this and not my head i mean obviously we all know the story and um you know the first thing i just want to pick up on is you know apart from me um wanting walt to win because I wanted the fairy tale ending. I mean, what were your takes on the UFC actually ingraining this in the narrative? I mean, okay, it's a glaringly obvious thing to talk about, but it seemed to be leading the narrative and not actually punctuating it. Yeah, I I, I agree with that notion. It was it was very much the 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 Walt Harris show, and while and whilst I don't begrudge it, there 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 were obviously other fighter stories to tell, but. 
obviously the the tragic passing of of Anaya Blanchard was was a story that that did rock the mixed martial arts world that, and and indeed America as well. So I really had no no issue with the with the UFC leading on it, in particular in 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 the sense that they were trying to honor her memory and show that Walt and that people can come and people in general can come back from such tragedies yeah. to, to to rise again. So. For me, I I I had no issue with it for for once. Like, what? Well, if we're comparing their use of of stuff for of narrative, if you remember the prelude to UFC two twenty nine, I mean, Conor throwing the whole dolly mm-hmm. through through the bus thing that was purely for to to rake in extra pay per views. But this in this case, it was it was done from a good place. Well, I'd imagine as well. You know, Walt Harris would have been an integral part of the consultation um, in putting that together. Mm-hmm. And, and I think as well, you know, they, they put together a beautiful and quite a poignant piece. So it really did contextualise, you know, the whole story. There was a narrative which, you know, I think it would have been a little bit awkward not to have told. But, you know, it did make me think, it made me pause, you know, considering the context and considering what the backstory was, whether they should have used it. But I think they used it quite sensitively. How about yourself, Kairos? Yeah, a lot of people were rubbed the wrong way about really? it. And I I don't, yeah, I kept seeing that people like, can we stop talking about this? I don't what? think it's the right way to promote it. Yeah, I'm not joking. I'm not making this up. I'm not trying to stir waves. There were people saying this. And I was just like, I was trying to see from their perspective. Mm. And I just couldn't. I was just like, I don't understand why, why you wouldn't tell the story. I don't understand why it would, maybe because they just felt uncomfortable. Or maybe it was just making them incredibly depressed. That's the only rational way that I could see them like, coming from that angle but i didn't share that sentiment and i thought that uh, i i thought that it needed to be told i i'm not gonna sit here and act like they didn't need to do it and i'm glad that they told the story because it's a huge part people don't realize people are losing family members in their lives every single day not just to viruses not just to old age but people are being taken from us and uh i think it's great because we're allowing her her memory to live on and we're telling it to as many people as possible so that the story can continue to pass on and we can learn more about safety and all those sort of things but mm-hmm. yeah there were legitimately people who were who weren't too happy about it. i'm not gonna say they were outraged they just they just felt like it was just too much of a story to tell i guess yeah i mean uh, just just to circle back to what you were talking about earlier Chisanga, in that the narrative between Khabib and mcgregor going into their fight and the whole dolly incident that was used after Dana had actually initially said this is disgusting, this is horrible, and it's an outrage. And then that was an integral part of the whole narrative. And a lot of people were kind of drawing parallels between the way that that was exploited, because that's what it was. It was exploited as the narrative to what was actually being, you know, served up in the run-up to this fight. So I can understand, I, I have to say, I did see a few people commenting from that point of view. But no, I, I, I personally feel as though it was necessary. After speaking to Eric Anders as well, who was very close to Walt Harris, they both trained mm-hmm. in the same outfit, same camp. Um, he was saying that, you know, that's what was actually driving him, the fact that people were actually talking about, you know, his daughter. And they, they were actually, you know, he, well, um, Walt Harris was actually looking at that as a, as a motivator. So I, I think, you know, people need to kind of, I suppose, separate the two. But I can understand, to be honest with you, with that as a precedent that, you know, people might be giving it the side eye. Yeah, again, I mean, I, I can understand if, if people having some issue with it, if the UFC didn't, if, if the UFC weren't so prevalent in, in, in the initial, initial hunt for Anaya. And and then they just got on the bandwagon towards the end. But I mean, they were at the forefront of, of things, sharing things on social media. And I mean, their reach is, is global. And and I mean, in in the effort to find somebody that 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 that's very rare that you have that you have a boss or or anyone who who can have such a reach and potentially have information to find whoever you're looking for. So, but again, like like Kyra said, I'm I, I was perplexed that some people were were even questioning the UFC's decision to include this in in the build up. Yeah, you know, I mean, just moving down the card, there, there are a few things again which I wanted just to touch on, and that is, 
I'm not sure whether there is any correlation between the fact that this isn't in front of an audience, that this is basically a silent crowd, but essentially there seem to be a lot of decisions, not only in this card, but the previous card in, in the week and the one um, last week as well. Now, when you look at it, the majority of these fight cards ended in a decision and it made me think maybe the crowd has something to do with it but it, just talking about the decisions themselves because the Claudia Gedalia and uh, Angela Hill fight oh I have God. to say I don't know what the judges were looking at but I have to say well, don't, don't get me wrong it was close but then when you look further down the card you know for me Song Yudong and Marlon Vera again was that the right decision? And the final one kind of like perplexed me, which, you know, I have to say was my favourite. I, I love the fact that, you know, these two actually it seemed like they, they went to war. Um, and that was the Barboza and... and, 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 and Dan Ige. Dan Ige fight. Now, for me, that was my highlight of the night. But, again, whilst the decision I think was close, I personally think it was the wrong decision. But... Over to you guys. I, I, I'm struggling with this whole notion that, first off, the crowd has something to do with this because, um, you know, maybe there is something in it considering there does seem to be this overwhelming, um, well, leaning in terms of the outcomes of all three fight cards we've, you know, seen under um, lockdown to be, you know, decision heavy. Yeah, per perhaps. I, I mean... I've 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 never competed in in professionally in a fight or or in an amateur uh, capacity as a fighter, but one can imagine that having having the crowd there and hearing all those voices baying for blood and like the just bleed guy who's somewhere <laughs> in the crowd is probably is 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 probably shouting, yeah, punch her in the in the boob, bro. Whatever. I've actually heard that from from cage side wow. as well. I've heard like. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard some some mad stuff and like so, people, so yeah, I I can imagine that 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 would spur you on and then make you want want to want to go for a finish and then maybe maybe you go for more of a bonus like get a, get a bonus as well. But yeah, it, I I never really, I never really thought about it until you just said there and it just made me think there there have been a lot of decisions over the last over the last three, three cards, um, yeah, three cards, yeah. But going back to um, the the fights. The, the trio of fights you discussed there i don't know what what these judges are watching man like the i i for me i think the most egregious one was definitely the song yidong and marlon vera one for me i thought it was clear that yidong took the first round and chito vera then he took pretty much the second half of the of, of the of the second round or maybe let's let's say three quarters and then he clearly took the clearly took the third round spot on evaluation and, you nailed it yeah and with with barboza i had barboza winning 10 10 9 the, the first round and then Ige slightly came back in the second but i still had barboza winning and then i gave Ige the third and then Claudia, I had her winning round one, and then Angie clearly won rounds uh, two and three for me. Uh, uh, I don't know how the okay. Sorry, I, no, I was just about to say a few people's chin needs to be recognised on the night as well. Danny Gay, yep, yeah, one of them. And Overeem, over. I mean, going back to you know the main event, Overeem's chin has returned. But sorry, I interrupted you, my man. <laughs> Horse meat. <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, <Matt. laughs> I told y'all that was the case. I told y'all. Oh, you, is this your conspiracy that fighters are... I told y'all. Y'all didn't want to listen. Y'all were laughing at me like, Kairos, that's impossible. It's true. <laughs> I, I've got one thing and one thing only to say to the suggestion that uh, Alistair Overeem is back on the horse meet. Nay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I knew you were going to say that. That was really shallow. No. But no, no, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. That, that is my one worry with, with Overeem. I mean, in terms of fight IQ and experience, he has he has that over most of the heavy, most of the fighters and, and on the heavyweight roster. Yeah. You just worry about his chin. But when you actually go back and, and look at like his knock, I know he's been stopped an ungodly amount of times it's it's double i'm pretty sure it's double digits in mma i'm pretty sure for that and then he's been stopped a few times in kickboxing i think off the top of my head it might be about 14 or 15 times wow. that he's been stopped but if you actually go back like 
in when he he got stopped twice by Shogun, and this is this is when he was cutting down to to two or five. Mm-hmm. He got stopped. He got stopped by Chuck, but Chuck was still Chuck Liddell. He was still the like still the man then. And then who did he lose? To? I think did he get stopped by Badahari in in kickboxing? I think he did. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Ngannou. I mean, anyone who gets touched by him <laughs> goes to sleep. Uh, Bigfoot Silver packed some power, and then the who kicked him in the face? Oh, it was, it was, Tra- it was Travis Brown. I mean, that that front kick to the face would 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 separate anyone from consciousness or rock anybody. So I think perhaps there's this narrative in the MMA media that we perpetuated and on MMA Twitter that Overeem is 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 a glass jaw. He has Amir that he has an Amir Khan jaw. Not that I'm slight, not that I'm slight Amir Khan, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So I think, like, well, when when he when he took those those shots from from Harris and he survived, I was like, I was I was pretty shocked. I was like, okay, this is something something something's up here. And well, again, he he adapted his approach. He was he staying towards the outside, and then that set up the head kick in the second round. But I was impressed with it, man. If the if the horse meat has had something to do with it, uh, I'm fine with it, man. I mean, bring back Uber. <laughs> but how about you, Kyra? The, the, no, whole, the, the whole audience thing. Do you think that factors anywhere in this? Am, am I like overanalyzing the fact that there has been this many decisions? Is it just matchmaking that plays a part here? I think this is the exception to the rule of the crowd influencing judges because I'm not going to lie. I've been on this platform for a minute saying people need to separate the judges from the rest mm. of the arena because I promise you mm. hearing people scream. I hear people screaming when strikers are missing. Like if you go back and see the John versus Tiago fight. Tiago was missing a lot. He was missing so many shots. It was an ungodly amount of shots, but people were yelling so hard for this man. And you go back and look back, everyone's like, Tiago won that fight. He won four rounds. He won three rounds. I'm like, bro, that fight wasn't as close as you guys remember. If you turn off the volume and you just watch them strikes, mm. oh my goodness. He he, he got outclassed. And you say, oh, Tiago was fighting on no ACLs. Who tore his ACLs? John did, kicking his knees. <laughs> How do you think he got to this point? He didn't walk into the octagon hurt. John hurt him. But yeah, like I really do believe the the crowd influences the judges. The judges need to be in a separate room away from everybody else. And I think you need to improve upon the amount of judges that we have too. I don't think three is enough. I think you need to go with five. I feel like the margin of error drastically decreases with the amount of judges that you add. And I think that the whole argument of adding... Pr- uh, former fighters as judges is bad because you're going to have a huge problem with bias. Like, oh, yeah. I trained with this guy and I like him. I know what he's capable of. Or, oh, I hate that dude. He slept with my girlfriend. You ain't never winning a decision against me. Like, no. You think it's bad right now? I promise people are so petty. That's definitely going to happen. But yeah, I, like the crowd definitely has an do you effect. Think, yeah, crowds, so, sorry. Sorry, crowds 100% do. No, carry, I, I, I was going to say, do you think... I know it's been touted before, and I know it hasn't been that popular, but in-round scoring, do you think that will actually edge us to a place where, you know, because the fighters know that they've got a bit more that they've got to do or, or you know, how much they have to play for, do, do you think that that might help things as well? Um, yeah, potentially. But if, if again... Oh, I, I, I don't even know. Like the, the the subject for me, like I'm I'm still pissed at those those three verdicts that, that we saw, especially <laughs> the Angela Hill one. Yeah, like so, so, yeah, like I mean Angie out uh, class Claudia. Even though Claudia, my dime piece, I love Claudia. Shout out to Claudia. I, I should be saying that. My <laughs> I was about but, to say, <laughs> wow, kind of kind of kind of household you got over there. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I've I've even I've, I've deviated. I've I've lost my I've lost my my trailer thought. <laughs> Kairos, over to you. That's what Claudia Gadella okay. does. Um, we also <laughs> got to fix the way we score fights too. There's a serious problem with the scoring system. Oh, the 10-9, 10-8. There needs to be if it's a close round and you don't know who won, it should be nine nine or ten ten. Stop giving people rounds because you just didn't know and it's like, all right, well he got yeah. the last shot. No, or oh they got the takedown with two seconds up, bro. If you think that the round was close. Put it as a draw, and we'll continue. There needs to be a lot more draws in MMA. It's not a bad thing to have a draw because sometimes mathematically, the fight is a draw. But also, 
Conversely, I think that the people also need to be able to feel more comfortable throwing in 10-8 rounds, throwing in a 10-7 round. Like, if you get dropped two or three times in a fight, you should not have a 10-8 round. That should be like 10-6. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. So, like, stuff like that that you could add that's definitely going to stop people from um, getting away with decisions. Because this ain't the first time Song Yodong got gifted a decision. He didn't beat Stamen. And this isn't the... Uh, and what you would call it, Claudia got gifted a decision when she fought Caller Exparza. So, like, as far as I'm concerned, this is a consistent problem that's happening because of the amount mm -hmm. of judges, the judges being influenced by the crowd, the improper scoring system with the numbers. And I think last but certainly not least, we don't have trained judges, but we cannot go down the route of allowing fighters to judge. Uh, Kairos, I agree with what you're saying about you, you should be able to score rounds a draw. And I think the perfect example that, that tests that fact was the the first round of Walt Harris against Alistair Overeem? Because Walt Harris, like, well, obviously he he came somewhat close to finishing Overeem, but then Overeem dominated the the remaining two two uh, two yeah. and a half minutes, and he was on, he was on top position. And I'm I'm pretty sure I even tweeted about that. I was like, do you score that a nine nine or do you score it a ten ten? Because I, I mean, both weigh heavily. Both weigh heavily. Like I mean, Alistair dominated him for the for the second half of the round, but Walt obviously came close to finishing it. So how how do you weigh that up? Um, yeah, in that scenario, I'm throwing that as a draw yeah. right off rip. I'm, I'm like, you can't get dominated on the ground for about two minutes left in the round and, like, me rewards that round. I'm sorry. And I'm not going to reward him that round either because you knocked his block off. It's 9-9 nine, nine to me. Yeah, no, I'm agree. I agree with you on that. I mean, speaking of decisions, I just wanted to circle back now to midweek. You see Fight Night Smith versus Teixeira, where we saw Anthony Smith take on Glover Teixeira. Now, for me, this is what I want to bring to the table this week. This is going to be my talking point. The fact is, mm -hmm. um, it did the rounds on social media, but I wanted to get your take on it. But I just wanted to give you mine. A lot of people were um, dismayed at the fact that, first of all, the referee didn't step in and save Anthony Smith, you know, to the point where he well a lot of people felt he needed saving because you know he literally lost teeth in the oct octagon to the level where he was actually handing them to the ref now a lot of people looked at that to say you know maybe that was the ref's point at which he should have actually stepped in and said you know what well, okay wave this fight off also looking at the corner stanky eyed as well a lot of people on twitter were saying well you know maybe there does need to be a mechanism by which you know the towel can be thrown in i mean what actually compounded all of this as well what made it look bad from an optics point of view was glover actually saying you know I i'm sorry man this is just this is just what it is as he was beating the yeah. shit out of anthony smith you know and um you know anthony smith kind of like acknowledging it now there are some pros and cons to the fact that we can now hear every single thud every single blow and every single word spoken it sounded like you know the, the the dying embers of a of a, of a of a dying man the way that you know anthony smith literally went out on his shield i'm gonna just put my head above the parapet in saying a lot of people are saying that you know either we should be in a a a, a stage now where corners can throw in the towel to that i say no to those of you oh. who are listening and um who are dismayed at the fact that the fight wasn't stopped by the ref as well i say no we've seen so many fights where things have actually turned around in the next round and you know overeem walt harris is, is is a case in point there are so many examples that you know i can go back and cite where you know it looked as though things were actually over but they in fact they weren't plus anthony smith has got his big boy pants on. That's why he's in a cage fight <clears throat> fighting with a light heavyweight monster like Glover Teixeira. And big up to all the 40-year-olds who are listening as well. Glover Teixeira representing for the 40-year-old <laughs> 40 mandem. But um, <laughs> just to bring it back, I need to talk to you if you are listening and thinking that we need to be in a point now where we are shepherding fighters, where we're safeguarding fighters from our corners. Now, it is the job of a ref, yes, to safeguard that fighter, but Anthony Smith was defending intelligently. Anthony Smith was still in the fight. It was Obviously, he was still in the fight in that he was, he was in a conversation. But not only that, I mean, 
as I mentioned earlier, I feel as though this notion that we should mollycoddle baby and um, spoon feed fighters, we need to just, you know, be mindful of the fact that we're talking about two grown men in a cage and what is it that we're witnessing here? Now, I know we've moved on from the old ethos, as um, Dana White would have put it, as real as it gets, but come on, these fighters have their big boy pants on when they get into the cage and we should allow them to make the call whether or not <clears throat> the fight continues. I agree. I somewhat agree with, with, with what you say. I, I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying that I think in MMA, corners do... Look, we, we, need, we, need, we need... If... I'm, I'm getting angry about this because I'm thinking of the uh, of of the the prime example of the point that I'm I'm, I'm mm. going to make. If corners if corners think that their fighters cannot defend themselves intelligently, or if their fighters have given them an indication that they no longer want to be in there, that is when they need to throw in the towel. And off the top of my head, I cannot remember the last time I saw a, uh, a corner throwing the towel. The one off the top of my head that I can think of is when BJ Penn's corner threw in the towel against George St. Pierre. That's how long, the, how long it is, it's for me. And the example that I was about to, about to use to, to, to further mm -hmm. my point was when Raquel Pennington told, essentially told her corner, I can't remember the exact words that she, uh, that she used. She, she essentially said that she was done against Amanda Nunes. And then it, I think that was the fourth round of the yes, UFC. Yes, they sent her two, back two, out. Four. Yeah, they mm. sent her back in and she took a she took a fucking yeah. beating. Like a, yeah, a needless mm. beating and that was on the corner. Like they could have they could have pulled her out. She she for all intents and purposes she said, "Get me out yes. of here, guys." And the, the I, I mean, it's not as if she's giving off body language and the the, the corners have to try interpreting like oh does she still want to be in here blah 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 that was crystal clear they should have done it and i think in instances like that when the fighter makes it clear that look i'm I, I need i need you guys to get me out of here but get get me to the to the locker room fighters it couldn't be fighters not fighters uh the corner men need to take the opportunity to, to throw in the towel but i also do agree with the with the notion of what you were saying as it pertains to anthony smith is that he was defending yeah. himself uh, he, he was defending himself in the third round and, and the fourth round <clears throat> and i can understand why especially when he gave his, his teeth to the referee oh, which i can't believe where he even said <laughs> yes. it just sounds weird it just sounds weird to say that uh the fighter gave the referee their teeth midway through the uh, midway through the fight but again, if a fighter is still intelligent in defending himself, I'm, I I know he was exhausted. I, like I mean, he well and truly blew his wad in the in, in the first well the first four minutes. One one, one could argue yeah. really that I, so he he still was defending himself, but he wasn't as able to defend himself. He wasn't helpless. And when a fighter becomes helpless, I think that's when you need to when the referee needs to needs to step in. But I, for one, I had no issue with the referee stepping in. He gave him plenty of time to recover and plenty of time to show show that he still had some fight left in him. And I thought the stoppage at the fifth, I do believe it was like a minute and five seconds or a minute in. I thought that was perfect timing. Cyrus? Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> got to do it to y'all. I got to do it to y'all. Hold on. Let me, let me just put Listen, back on the four-ounce right. gloves. Let's, 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 <laughs> let's do this. Y'all got to gotta relax, okay? And here's what I mean by relax. That man was getting straight, like, dog walked. I'm just, I'm with you. He was getting dog walked. And there's a certain point. There's a certain point where the fighter either has to say something, his corner has to say something, or the ref needs to be like, "All right, listen, it is it is the yeah. fourth round. It is we are, and he's exhausted too. That's the one thing. Fighters mm -hmm. can come back when they aren't exhausted. If you're exhausted, yeah. you can't you can't get back into not being tired because you get one minute of rest. You're not coming back like that. So in that scenario, I'm like, nah, we're gonna stop this in the fourth. Like I'm not letting this happen. His corner should have done a better job to help him. I don't care what they say about, oh, we know Anthony Smith better than da-da-da-da-da. You clearly don't, because he was not going to win that fight. You clearly don't know him as well as you think you do, first and foremost. And second of all, I, 
I'm also going to say this, though. I would rather a fight be stopped when it's a title fight or a main event and it's on the line. I'd rather it be stopped right on time to late than early to on time. Mm -hmm. From the sense of they, they have been training for months for this fight. They know what's at stake. So it's like, yeah, y'all hate Mario Yamasaki for letting people die in the octagon, <laughs> letting them be warriors. But then when you get Steven, oh, I don't even know his name. I keep messing up. Keith Peterson stopping fights 52 minutes early. Then we get upset. I'm more upset about stopping fights super early than super late. Because let's just be real. Your boy, I forget his name. Um, Nathaniel Wood, his fight yeah. was stopped early too. He was taking worse damage than Dominic Cruz. And that fight shouldn't have been stopped early. So it's yeah. like, stop the fights when they're when it's in, like egregious. That was not that egregious yeah. with um Overeem because one, he was making like a point of moving. He was shelling up from shots. Mm -hmm. He was going for submissions to try and improve his position. But Anthony Smith was a grounded object. Like he was grounded. And he was just getting like straight. To, they even co conversating about, man, I'm sorry about this. And he's like, it's okay. That's the way it goes. I've been, I would like, stop the fight right now. We ended the fight right on that. We ain't letting this go on anymore. That's like a scene from a movie. So just, yeah, these refs need to start stopping fights later than they should. And not, not 10 minutes later than they should, but just like, let it play out. And then if they're exhausted, then you need to stop it. But if they're just taking a beating, let it go. So you, you want refs to enroll in the uh, Mario Yamasaki School of Refereeing? Yes, and I want corners to be held accountable. I want the corners and the fighter to be held accountable. Because let the fight stop early, y'all are going to get so upset. But then we stop it late and y'all are so upset anyway. How about the corner take control and protect their fighter for once? Stop blaming the referees mm. for stopping fights late and start looking at the corner. But how about the fighter take responsibility where he is definitely in a position to do so. I mean, he's having yes. a conversation, full-on conversation. I mean, it looked like they were doing the Bible recital, how coherent he was. Plus, at the end of the day, you know, they do have at their disposal a verbal tap-out. Now, I, to nah, be honest with you, you, I can count. On, on <laughs> no, they don't. Where, where, where I have seen that, but it will never, ever, you know, be the go-to, I know. It can't, it, can't come to, it can't come to that. Like... Roberto Duran is one of the greatest boxers of his generation. But what do, pe what do people remember him for? No mas. No mas. And uh, it's, yeah. Can you imagine if an MMA fighter did that in this day and age? Especially with how, with how ruthless MMA Twitter is as well. <laughs> Boy, man. It'd be, it'd, it'd be savage. It'd be savage. But, I, I mean, Roberto Duran, like... He lived. He lived to fight another day. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Just like with yeah. no mask. I I have no issue with it. And it goes back to another another point. Another thing that grinds my gears. I'm quoting Peter Griffin from Family Guy. There, if anybody got the reference, <laughs> I caught it. Yeah, caught it. <laughs> is uh, is is when uh, when people people give fighters shit for um, for tapping to strikes. Now, there's nothing <laughs> wrong. There's nothing wrong with doing that. It's not like you're you're saving yourself from potential CTE. And I think the first time I saw somebody get uh, get stick for for tapping to strikes was uh, GSP when he when he lost to Matt Serra. He actually he turned he actually he actually tapped the canvas. And then the most recent time was when Luke Rockhold was beating who who did he beat last? David Branch. I'm pretty sure David Branch essentially tapped the strikes before the referee got in there and people were giving them shit and i'm just like yep i mean you're saving yourself from punishment i i, I mean you at, at the end of the day your goal as a fighter is to be able to fight as for as long as you can as health as healthily as you can and if you're unnecessarily taking punishment you're not going to be able to do that and your window to compete and earn money and provide for your family is going to shorten and so. i don't think why i can't think why you know fans would be you know upset about all of that they live to fight another day for your entertainment, buddy. Exactly. But then they're just like, oh, he's a, he's a bitch, bro. Man, he <laughs> they, like, they seriously do. Yeah. They seriously do. Like, like, they'll be like, oh, we want the fighters to be taken care of. These referees need to stop letting them lose their lives in the octagon. But then you get Rose Namunis knocking down Joanna and she taps. And they're like, oh, she's such a pussy. She should have gone out. Like, what do you mean? What, yeah. do you, what are you trying to say? Like, what else do these people have to do for you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I well I I I think with the the example Joanna is because she talked mad shit before Ambro. She talked mad shit. <laughs> so she shouldn't be allowed to tap. No, 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 no. I completely agree with you. I agree with you. But that's that's why people got onto her is because you talked all this shit like acting like the boogie woman, and here you have Rose saying her Christian prayers, and then she made you tap. Like 
Yeah. Okay, okay I'm a shit talker, but I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to let you empty my skull. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think this is? <laughs> Oh, in fact, we need to. We should probably compile a list of fighters who who have actually verbally tapped. I know I've, or yeah, I know that might be might be difficult to do. But the the only two I can think of off the top of my head are, as as you said, there, Kairos, Joanna, GSP, and David Branch. But if anybody knows anybody else who does did it, free feel free to ask. Um, Who's there's next? one that I remember. Ah. Uh... Oh, forget it. We'll skip it. We'll we'll move on. Yeah. All right. Well, it's it's been a week since Justin Gaethje fulfilled his well partially fulfilled his dream of becoming UFC champion by claiming the interim UFC lightweight title with a stellar performance against Tony Ferguson last weekend. Now, obviously, everybody is thinking that a unification fight with Mister Habib Nurmagomedov will be in the offing for Justin Gaethje. Obviously, once Khabib and Khabib's father, more importantly, are, are are back fit and healthy and that the family is doing well. But as ever, Conor McGregor has inserted himself into the conversation, even going as far to, Who was that laughing? Was that you, Kairos? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let me go back to what I said. Even going as far to say that it's going to be him and Justin next because Khabib will pull out. What's your thoughts on the state of the lightweight division? For me, I think it's crystal clear. There's no way in hell Justin Gaethje fights Conor McGregor next. Him, Khabib, and Ali Abdelaziz are going to conspire to keep him out of the picture for as long as possible. What's your thoughts, Mike? You know what? I think that you know Conor McGregor has always maintained the fact that he speaks things into existence. And as you rightly said... He's trying to insert himself into this narrative, which just ain't happening. At the end of the day, we know what he's doing. We know the whole game of Conor McGregor is, okay, if I say this loud enough, my fans will actually get behind it and the UFC have to make it happen. But, you know, if there is any justice, it definitely won't. But don't rule it out because we've seen the preferential treatment, which Dana White is hellishly um, uh, famous for heaping on Conor McGregor so Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised but you know if there is any justice it won't happen Kairos what are your thoughts Um, two things the worst thing that could happen to the UFC in terms of stability and ability to continuously make income is allowing Conor or Habib to continue holding on to the title because let's just be real Connor, his fights are numbered. He's not going to continuously fight. He talks all this talk about everybody's going to get it and I'm going to be active. And when I'm champion, I'm going to defend everything. And then when the time comes, he doesn't do it. Same thing with Habib. And Habib's days are number two. He said he's retiring at what? 30 and 0 something like that he said he's going to retire pretty soon so no matter what happens no matter what happens both of them are going to be out of the picture in the next two maybe three years maximum like i give it mm-hmm. I'm, i give it shorter time i give it like maybe two years front side so as far as connor bargaining for these fights okay great let justin fight habib and then you can have your rematch with him since it's such a big grudge match and you hate him so much especially if he loses to justin gaethje go ahead and fight habib on a main event for a number one contender spot later on or matter of fact go fight tony ferguson since you were so thirsty to be active because let's be real justin gaethje was begging to fight you for years not years for like Mm -hmm. a year straight going on tmz with his team going up there talking to people connor fight me connor do this and you were radio silent son but now when he's in a position to take something that you want back you want to step up now no hell no your time is come and gone you don't have the clout that you have anymore and i'm so glad this man has gotten away with so much stuff in terms of asking and getting stuff that he doesn't deserve you don't deserve it i'm sorry like no fight tony or just go away and also you 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 touch on justin campaigning for the fight with connor he even slid into his dms on instagram do you remember that he, he, <laughs> yes. he, he messaged he messaged me he messaged me he messaged connor saying Fight me in Dublin. I need that chaos in my life. I mean, who the hell said like that's that is absolutely like, that 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 just gives you a, a a view into the mindset of Justin Gaethje. Now, speaking about the matchup between Justin Heavy, judging from what we saw uh, against uh, of Justin's uh, performance against Tony Ferguson, 
I think the Habib matchup stylistically is going to be a fantastic one because most of the fighters who Habib has come up against, they don't pressure him. They don't come forward. They let him come towards them and then they end up with their back towards the cage and that's when Habib shoots in for his takedowns. Justin Gaethje is not going to let that happen. Justin Gaethje is going to yep. come forward. He's not going to come forward this, uh, the way that he did, let's say, two years ago or, or 18 months ago when he just came forward with reckless abandon. He's a lot more cultured and he's a lot more measured and he's a lot more methodical with his pressing. So for me, I think it's a stylistically, it's a very good matchup, especially when you factor in Justin Gaethje's wrestling background. Are we talking about the matchup? Because I want to get into the ma- that matchup right now. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about it, yeah. This man, Habib, has been blessed time and time again with the matchups that he gets. They're like, oh, he he's such a great striker. Habib's boxing so underrated. It's not underrated. His boxing <laughs> is not underrated, and his boxing is ingrained. This man just has the fear of God in everybody because they're so afraid to get taken down and held down there. That's the first and foremost. So if I was afraid of him, I'd, I'd let him land some strikes too just to ensure that I didn't get taken down repeatedly. And then finally, when I start striking with him, I get taken down. That's not going to happen in this fight. One. Two, Justin Gaethje has hit a lot more mobile strikers, and Khabib is as like stationary as you could possibly imagine. This guy has no mobility whatsoever. He's going to get lit up he's gonna get lit up just like how i thought he was gonna get lit up by tony just how i think he's gonna get lit up if he fights connor again he was blessed that first time he fought connor i'm not even trying to come out come out of here because you guys just heard me talking bad about connor i'm not some fanboy he's going to get lit up his next three fights are going to be the hardest fights of his career he's been gifted the right opponents at the right time and he stepped up and done it he's done an admirable job but for us to act like this man's undefeatable he's the number two three pound for pound ranked guy in the world rightfully deserved no he's not he's not and i'm sick of it We need to start handing him these fights right now. Hand him these tough fights right now and stop letting him weasel out of it. Listen, I understand that your father had this tough time, but you are ducking fights before that happened. You were pulling out of fights before that happened. And now that he's all cleared and you say, oh, I'm active, I'm going to fight now, you better fight in the next two to three months or they should strip you and Stipe. Get this man out of here. Oh, that's some serious breeze. Now, I'm just just playing devil's advocate here, but... Wasn't that the type of, of talk that was being said um, in the run-up to Dustin Poirier when he stepped forward and said, yeah, now I'm going to be lighting this man up on the feet. Just Dustin Poirier isn't that type that. of striker, though. <laughs> like Y'all loved... I love Dustin. I love Dustin so much, but let's just be real. Let's, let's try and summarize Dustin Poirier's striking. Boxing heavy. Mm. Boxing heavy. Yeah. Extreme boxing. We aren't seeing him throwing leg kicks. We aren't seeing him throw high kicks. We aren't seeing him vary his strike. It's just boxing. And we don't see the clinch work. So, and I was like, also, what's his answer if he does get taken down? Oh, you got that guillotine. Okay, well, it didn't it didn't land and you had no more answers. I didn't hold too much weight in that one. People really thought Dustin was gonna save y'all, but I didn't see it. Bro, I, I still don't I, see you, it. I don't are think you, are you still giving that grease talk when we're offering up Edson Barboza? When we're offering up Conor McGregor. Edson Barboza? Are we, oh, you want to talk about Edson Barboza? I'm glad you brought that fight up, Mike. I'm, I'm glad you brought him up. What, what is the commonality with Edson Barboza? Oh, he's explosive until he's not. And also, if you get him backing up, he you might as well have me in the octagon because I'm about to offer as much offense as he can offer up when he has to wow. go backwards. Oh, that man, that man, when you get, bro, did y'all, do y'all remember when he fought Kevin? Yeah, yeah, Kevin had him backing yeah. up for like forty nine minutes straight, and finally they were just like, "We gotta, we gotta end the the, the what you call it? The rep put mercy on him. Was just like, "Nah, we gotta end this fight with this guy. He just <laughs> he can't." Edson was the perfect matchup for Habib because yeah, you're a great athletic striker who can strike very well. But guess what? You can't strike going backwards, which is what Habib's gonna force you to do. And he doesn't have that great of boxing. He has great. You have to have multiple tools and attributes to beat Habib. I'm not gonna sit here and act like this man's trash because he's mm-hmm. not. He's a formidable foe. But yeah. there are matchups in that division that he has avoided up until this point. Like Cowboy when he was in his prime, that would have been a tough fight for Habib. A very tough fight for Habib. If he would have fought Nate and when Nate was in his prime. That would have been a tough fight. I'm not saying these guys would have walked all over him and beat him, but these are matchups he repeatedly has avoided. And Ali knows that these are tough fights, which is why he doesn't take them. Ali oh. is not an idiot. Ali knows. And that's all I got to say. Stop acting like this man is the second coming of Jesus. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, this is heresy. I, I don't even know where to go, man. You're going to have all of Dagestan in your DMs. And, uh, <laughs> I don't care what they got to say. It's true. He's a pull-out merchant. 
<coughs> pull out game strong. It is. That's <laughs> why it doesn't have kids. I, I just want to... I just want to just uh, make the distinction here. So when the uh, when the Khabib stands come after us, I didn't say anything. It was all Kairos. My voice has a distinct lilt, distinct bassiness. It was Kairos. Nah, we me. all black. We all sound the exact same to all of them. Habib is overrated. He's overrated. Wow. wow. This, yeah. As as you said there, Michael, that is pretty much heresy. <laughs> Oh His first 15 God. opponents only got Wikipedia pages. Yeah. Am I lying? <laughs> because they might have been just some undiscovered Russian savages, man. I, I this man know. Habib is really 15 and 0. He's fi- he's 16 and 0. Don't don't <laughs> spare me with the 28 29. He is 15 and 0. I won't hear it. Oh my God. Going back to you, you raised an interesting point that you you essentially said that a lot of fighters when they when they're fighting Khabib, they're essentially they've already lost the fight because. That just of this undefeated record and some of the body of work that he's done. Do you think it's kind of almost like a Mike Tyson effect? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just praying for your, your mentions and your DMs from all these people from Russia coming at you, man. <laughs> they probably already have blocked me because I, I burned a lot of bridges talking about Habib from years ago i was oh my good i was killing this man and every time i tweet i was like that's why i was like i guarantee you he's gonna pull out of the second tony fight what happened i was right people were like every single time the fight got mentioned i was like oh it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen hobie's gonna pull out and every time it happens kairos you're putting the bad mojo on the fight stop doing this no because i know that man i see his soul i know what he's about and he's not uh, about it oh my gosh wow 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 <laughs> <laughs> as you have got the as you have got the floor, Kairos, what, what are you bringing to the table uh, this week? <laughs> oh, I wanted to bring for this question for you guys. Okay, if a person wants to contest a bad decision, like we, we saw Aspen Lad go in front of a committee trying to um, turn around her fight against was it Jermaine? I believe it was Jermaine Durandamy. <clears throat> Correct. Yes. Mistaken. Yes. Yeah. So she wanted to contest the outcome of that fight. She felt like the stoppage was a little bit unjust and it was based off of her gender. I'm not so sure. I'm not so like looking at that aspect. of. I'm looking at fighters who want to, I guess, turn back decisions, whether it's to a no contest or whether it's to a draw or whatever the case may be, like in the instance of you have a bad decision. Should that be more? I guess you'd say, um, should we see that more in MMA? Because I feel like you you have grounds to try and contest the outcome of a decision because it's no guarantee that that person beat you just because the judges said so. And I feel like that needs to happen. I'm sure it sets a bad precedent. Definitely no. I'm, I, yeah, I, I, I hate that as, as, a, as, a, as a way forward because, I mean, it just smacks of bad losership. Plus, I mean, decisions should be upheld as far as, you know, when you're actually when you're actually in the process of declaring a winner that is quite a stringent process in terms of collating the scores and people actually going through um quite meticulous uh methods mm-hmm. of scoring so why should that apple cart be overturned because said fighter doesn't agree with it and because they felt as though you know the, the decision should be in their favor no hate it hate it with a passion yeah, I, I like think there, it has to be an egregious error in in in, in judgment yeah or yeah or, or corruption hashtag adelaide bird canelo yeah, but just, <laughs> 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 yeah it's, it's like egregious errors like that i mean the i, I use the example of canelo and ggg Gennady Golovkin should have appealed the, the, the verdict of, of the first fight. 100%. He should have appealed that verdict. So I think if there's egregious errors in judging like that, or for instance, if it's a finish, say if there's like a blatant eye poke and somebody is blinded and then somebody lands a knockout blow, then I think you should be have grounds to appeal and then file for a no contest. But I'm, I'm with you in this, Mike. I, I, I don't want to... To see fighters just thinking, oh yeah, I won that fight. Let me just appeal it in the hope that, in the hope that yeah. the commission will will overturn it. I think it's it's a dangerous route to go down. I'm glad you brought up that point about um people having egregious moments in a fight and then leading to a fight ending scenario because that's one of the reasons why I think they should need to do that. Like I remember off the top of my head, Uriah Faber fought um 
somebody, Francisco, somebody, he poked him so hard in the eye. Like, it was such a bad eye poke. And then he just rushes him as soon as he tries to put his hands up to, like, signal the referee got eye pokes. And then Uriah ends up catching him in the rear naked choke and then finishing him right away. Not appealed. Fight went down as a loss by submission. Or an egregious judging error. Robbie Law half of Robbie Lawler's title defenses, including the fight that got him to the title, like in the first place. This man was gifted. You you mean to tell me Robbie Lawler won more than one round against Carlos Condit? I might uh, not even say he won one round, bro. He had uh, one flurry at the end of the fifth, and they gave him that fight. You're coming out strong today, man. What have you had in your coffee? Jesus. I don't drink coffee. I get high on real life. I run on fear and fossil fuel. I don't I don't have any like foreign substances. This man, Robbie Lawler, was out here gifting decisions to him. He gets gifted decisions. We just saw Song get gifted his second decision in a row. Who else gets gifted some decisions? Um off the top of my head, I can't even think anymore. I'm just so furious about this, though. There needs to be some sort of recourse for this. I'm I'm against y'all on this. And you guys say that, you know, it's some sore loser shit. Well, guess what? Yeah, I am a sore loser. You just cost me $50,000 for my bonus. I just won half my paycheck. Yeah, I'm a sore loser. Yeah, like, you know, I, 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 I can, you know, you just said it there. There's, there's, there's financial motivation there. And so, some fighters might know well and truly deep down that they've lost a fight be like fuck it i'll just try see if the commission can swing it <laughs> my way do you know what i mean <laughs> so that's true that's true <laughs> yeah like well i'm i'm forever the pessimist and i always look at the the, the potential negatives of, of of something but again like going back to my point and re-emphasizing it i i think you should only have grounds to appeal a decision if it's an egregious error like a la canelo of ggg1 how do you feel about when Jeremy Stevens kneed Josh Simmons in the head when he was on the ground and finished him with ground and bound? Ooh, ooh, yeah. What do you think that was? Do you think it was glint? Like, would you say that is worth contesting? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I would. Um, yes, because yeah. there's obviously something clearly wrong in the outcome there, and it should have been picked up at the time when it clearly wasn't. Okay. Yeah, Jeremy just about <laughs> killed him before, though, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, that, yeah. That's why I brought that up. I was like, he was whooping him, but he still yeah, landed that yeah. illegal strike. Yeah, no, that that no, that's that's true. Like, if 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 an illegal strike lands in a fight finishing sequence or just before a fight finishing sequence, then I think it should, it sh you should be able to appeal it a hundred percent. And I'm sure there's countless fights that we probably just can't think of off the top of our heads where situations like that have arisen. Have arisen. Sorry, I'm trying. To, yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my yeah, head right now, but. Well, what about well, Anthony Smith contesting? What if Anthony Smith said today, I got kneed in the head by John Jones and I couldn't compete in that fight to the best of my ability after that and I was grounded. Can I return can I call change this fight on my record? Not win the title, but can I overturn that to a no contest right now? No, uh, not not I don't know. Not man. After first of all, such a long time has elapsed and I do remember <laughs> Yeah, not after over <laughs> yeah. a year. <laughs> yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> I do remember at the time. Um, you know, it, it was very, very um, clear that it was an option for him to win that fight by saying, you know what, I can't continue. Yeah. But he said, no, yep. that's not the way that I roll. Yeah, I mean, if it was Diego Sanchez, he would have <laughs> taken that. No, no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> no, it's I'm, true. It's true. Yeah. Now talk it. Say it again. Say it again for people who listen. <laughs> if it was Diego Sanchez, he would have taken that. <laughs> Y'all think he's dumb, but he's smart. He knew he was not winning that fight. And he was not going to win that fight. And as like as people said uh, in the immediate aftermath of it, I mean, look, he's a veteran. He's getting on. He needs every win bonus he can get as well. Do you know? Do you, I mean, you laugh, but it's true, though, isn't it? At this stage of his career. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, whilst we're still here, what was your your uh, your stand-up performance from last night or indeed the the last seven days Barbosa of fights Ige, for me i mean that was a slobber knocker yes. i just loved the precision there wasn't any winging of shots those were pristine mm -hmm. precise missiles plus i love the fact that you know you know um Barbosa shut up a lot of the critics in that they thought that he'd lose power i mean dropping the guy what i think it was mm -hmm. in round one or was it round two of the of, of uh, first, first round, round I'm there you sure, go. Yeah, I mean, sure. really yeah. and truly, I I loved him at the weight, and uh, I was one of those dissenting voices. So I, I, it's nice to be wrong, and nice to be wrong in such a spectacular fashion. Karis, what about you? 
yeah, I agree with that 100%, but they kind of did Barboza dirty by giving him that that as his first fight in the division. Like, I understand the guy has had an illustrious career and has killed mm-hmm. people. But you're really about to give him a 15th ranked guy who... I don't think he's the 15th ranked guy in the world. I think I think Dan Ige could be top five, top ten at featherweight. Oh, yeah. Like I'm not e- easily, I'm not yeah. even gassing him right now. Like I think he's very skilled. So like they didn't do him any favors, and Barboza still answered the bell, and people still think that he won. I thought yeah. he won. I thought yep, he did enough. Here. So mm-hmm. um, like as far as I'm concerned, like Barboza's here to stay at 145. And what's so intriguing about that division for him is there aren't that many high level grapplers in that division. That was his weakness. People who force him to go backwards and the high level grapplers. Half of that equation is gone completely. Who who can out grapple him mm-hmm. in that division? What you got, Ryan Hall? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Um, the only one I can think of off the top of my head is probably Frank Yeager, but he's going down to 135, yeah, isn't he? Eventually. Yep. Gone. So, yeah, that's, that's, this is probably a weight class that you probably should have looked at going to a long time ago. Like, as, as you say, I can't think of anybody at 145 who, who would look to take him down. Everybody would look to strike with him from, well, the only one, okay, if you're maybe just outside the top 15, Arnold Allen and Michael Namakarni. And Mike Grundy, perhaps those are the only three off the top of my head I can think of. But everybody else, I mean, yeah, they're gonna stand and bang and just bleed, bro. <laughs> yep, they will be that forced th- to strike with him or try and grapple with him. We see how it goes. Not everyone succeeds with grappling with him. But Neil Darius thought he had the answer, and he mm-hmm. didn't. Like so, it. I'm telling you, it's like 145. I said it last night. 145 has now become. I think the most stacked division in the U.S. You guys can hate me for it. You guys can say 155 has this, that, and the third. But listen, there are so many non-ranked guys in yeah. 145. That could be in the top five. That could be in the yeah. top ten. Like, I don't think Hakeem Dawadu is ranked right now. He's a guy who could be ranked. Julio Ars, I don't think he's ranked right now. He could be ranked. So many great fighters are in that division. Yeah, man. And let's not forget Hurricane Shane Burgos as well, man. He's yes. very underrated yes. for me. Very, very underrated. But how about you guys? Were, were there any standout moments over the last three cards that you, you thought, yeah, whoa? Well, Overeem's resilience That's yesterday. True, like, I mean, mm. yeah, like every time it seems that it, it's the same, kind of the same with our Andre Arlovsky. Every time we think, right, this is it. This, this will be the, the start of the, of the end and then they'll probably be done in a couple of fights. They just show that they've still got a little bit more left in the tank. Overeem in particular, because obviously he's come back from some devastating knockouts. Obviously the the um, the Ngano one, and then the Yari Rosen strike fight in his uh, previous yeah. one to this. So, but he's still very got. He's, he's still got a lot left in the, in the tank. And I mean, it, it, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that maybe in one or two fights if he wins he's gonna have a title it's such a shot. shallow division i wouldn't be surprised mm. it's such a shallow division like yeah. such a shallow division and if i was over him i'd do it and then i'd just get on the horse meat and then <laughs> fail my drug test and leave win 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 the championship and then say yeah i did it and then he'd be what the former strike force former k1 former dream and then former ufc champion i mean he'd arguably be the most decorated heavyweight of in mixed martial yeah. arts history how about you, Kairos? Yeah. I got two off the top of my head. The first one is um, Tiago Moises. I know a lot of people are like, well, it's Michael Johnson, da 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 But, I mean, yeah, you're right. That does play a factor in it. Forget that one. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, I, I think Michael Michael Johnson unfairly gets some stick. I think... I think he kind of gets into his own head a bit. It's, I think he sometimes is his own worst enemy because I mean the skills are there. On his day, yes. he can beat anybody in the in in the top five in in his division. But I, I mean the Thiago Moises thing. I I don't think anybody expected him to bull rush him at the at the start of the second round and then to to go for that heel hook. Nobody expected that. So yeah, like I I admire that killer instinct in him, and I'm like I'm I didn't know who he was before. But I, I, after that fight, I was going back and watching all of his fights. I was like, this guy's a problem. Like, I'm probably going to make mm-hmm. a highlight reel of him. Him and I think Brian Kelleher, too. Like, he, he's continuously showing us that, like, his record is not a great indication of his true ability. Because that man doesn't fight like he has 10 losses. That man fights like he's undefeated. Like, he's a, he's a dangerous guy. He's just yeah. had some tough fights in, in the regional circuit. So, yeah, he's very impressive, and so is Thiago. And you're, 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 you're talking about... Uh... Uh, Kelleher having 10 losses is there. 
brings back a point for me that something that annoys me is that in particular when people are talking about Jorge Masvidal and, and Nate Diaz, I know I know Jorge Masvidal is your your favorite fighter. But when they bring up the the fact that they've had double digit losses or whatever, and they they just say, oh yeah, they're a bum or whatever. This is mixed martial arts. There are many many ways to to lose, and I I think I think we're somewhat transitioning to boxing school of thought that oh you need to have well in boxing if if your o's gone you're a bum or whatever but in mma it seems that oh if you have more than like five or six losses then you're you're in the scrap heap and i i don't i don't like that direction that we're going actually i'm glad i gotta i, I gotta respond to that i'm oh, glad gosh. you brought those two people up and before i say it those jorge and nate have been around around for so long that Having 10 losses is not that big of a deal. I'll say that. Like, for them to have been competed for over a decade, like two decades almost, like, I think Nate got into the UFC when he was like 18, 19, and he was fighting the ultimate fighter, and he was like, so it's like 10 losses for those two guys is very impressive for how much time they've been competing mm-hmm. at the highest of levels. But it's that it's that attitude that you bring forward to act like you're the best fighter in the That's what gets me. Like, I don't know what most people are upset about, but when Nate is like, man, the best fighter in the division ain't the champion. It's who I say it is. Like, no, it's not, Nate. No, it's not. And then Jorge's like, nah, I'm the best. I'm baptizing fools. Like, you baptized three people, bro. This is the first time you won three fights in a row in a minute. It's been so long that we forgot the last time you won three fights in a row. So it's not just, it's not, oh, you got 10 losses, you're a bum. It's like, no, you think you're God's gift to the division, and you're not. Hey, man, that's it was the I'm second thinking. coming of Jesus. How dare you, bro? How dare you? <laughs> that's blasphemy, too. Y'all, everyone who's championing that idea, y'all, if y'all believe in God, I'm sorry for you. You got a surprise for you when you, when you, <laughs> when you, when you transition. <laughs> That's blasphemy. He straight oh, Judas. Man. I don't you're, know about you're literally drinking the Colby Covenant Kool-Aid there by saying that. You realize that. He's not wrong, though. He, he, he's a bad person. And I don't agree with everything that he says. But that doesn't mean everything he says is wrong. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, man, I've, it, we're, 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 we're divulging. I don't, we're digressing. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, this is... Well, this, you've, you've come with the heat today. I, I've, I, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I, I think we're going to send you Sada to his house. He's going to piss hot. More than Pico Grams. More than Pico Grams. Well, um, on that note, speaking of Pico uh, <laughs> Grams, I don't even know how to segue into it, only to say that this podcast definitely has been my favourite and uh, greatest of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Never have so few. Wait, did y'all see Chael Sonnen getting mad at John? Um, I, What's that? What did he say? So Chael Sonnen was criticizing John Jones on his oh, YouTube right. channel in regards to a few On the Nganu fight. Because uh, Anthony Smith got beat up... Mm-hmm. Uh, that too, but it was about Anthony Smith. Like right after the fight, John Jones tweeted, "Luckily, Glover didn't want Anthony's TV oh. or something along the lines of that." So it was just like it was messed oh, up. Man. And then so Did Chael, he that? yes, exactly, yes, he deleted right after wow. he tweeted it. <laughs> and so, uh, but Chael heard about it and he came back and he was firing shots on his show, talking about how bad John was. And then John tweeted and he was like, "Listen, this man's got man boobs and is uh, overweight." Talking about me just to boost his ratings on his platform or whatever. And then Chael unleashed full heel on him. He was like, first of all, John, when fans ask for pictures out of out of being programmed, you take profile shots from the side, just like you're when you're in lockup. He's like, you've taken you have permanent indentions on your wrist from handcuffs wow. like going off when I'm just firing I didn't shots. See any of this. Yes, he slayed him. What? Oh my gosh. The tweets are still there from Chael, but John deletes his because he's fake. But Chael unleashed on him. Like, John may have won the fights when they actually fought each other, but guess what? Chael won this time. So they're one yeah, and one I as mean, far as I'm concerned. came to it. it like, if it came down to it. Like, if, if, you're, if you're talking about being on site and everything, it's not even like... Why are you, why are you talking shit to a man that could literally do what you wanted to you? I, uh, I I don't know, but I I I agree I agree with what, <laughs> what you were saying what Chael was saying to a certain extent. Oh, that was yeah wow. yeah I love I mean, Chael doesn't mince his words, and that's 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 one of the most endearing traits for, of him. And in, in fact, I I kind of let, let me let me go back a bit. I kind of do agree with what um what John what John is saying. He does Chael does like to come down quite hard on him. 
at at times, and I think he knows that his criticisms of John get a lot of traction. I'm not gonna lie, yes, gents. <laughs> don't kill me, but I love the heat. <laughs> I love the fact that he took it there. I love the fact that he mentioned the bat burglary, and if it was a TV that was uh, <laughs> that needed defending, maybe he might have been a little bit more ferocious. I loved it. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I apologize now, <laughs> but I'm here for that type of. I'm here for that type of heat. Oh, bad. Yeah. God. <laughs> God. I like it just because no one, like, no one got hurt in the situation, like, except for the guy who, you know, snuck, but like. Because the situation turned out good, that's why I didn't like get that upset about it. I was like, ah, it's yeah. kind of funny. I'm not gonna lie. But had had somebody gotten like killed or something, I'm like, oh no, oh, John. You, I'm surprised people haven't like photoshopped a, a picture of like a widescreen TV next to Clover to share on back mountain about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised somebody noticed it. Is that what we're uh, doing for the podcast? Oh, oh that one. You 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 have to bring that. You have to bring that. Oh my oh, okay. god! Let All me preface right. this well, by saying I'm a big Anthony Smith fan, and I, <laughs> I, 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 I know my appearance in this podcast does not mean I condone the use of the the image that is selected for this episode. <laughs> well, that about wraps up this episode of the Wocast. Thank you, as usual, gents. If anybody wants to continue any of the talking points, there were many. Um, you can contact us via Twitter. I'm at MikeWoTV. Gents, where can people find you? People can find me at Chisanga underscore Malata on Twitter and on the gram. <laughs> I am at Kairos MMA on Twitter and Instagram. And there you have it. Until next time, make some trouble. Yeah.